Hey friends, welcome to Conversations with Ben Dixon, where I discuss important topics through a biblical lens. Thank you for tuning in. I want to remind you, you can always go to our YouTube channel, which is Ignite Global Ministries, and there you can subscribe. There's a playlist that simply says Conversations with Ben Dixon. I have other teachings and things available as well, but you can also listen to the audio through Apple Podcast or Spotify. Make sure to subscribe, share it with your friends. We want to get the word out, and we also want you to stay tuned. I will be doing these at least once a month. I know it's been a long time since I've actually had any episodes coming your way, but you can expect minimum once a month for these conversations. I've got a lot of things that I want to talk about. I'll probably be running solo for a while and then hopefully introduce some guests into the mix as well. If you've forgotten everything I've said about where you can get all the content, just go to conversationswithbendixon.com. We're doing a revamp of that website. We're going to start adding more content. If you're interested in resources and things that you can read further about, Within the conversations that I'm having, you can always go to the website because we're going to put more stuff on there in the days ahead. Well, hey, today, as I've told you, I am running solo, but I want to let you know that this is going to be focused on what I'm calling starting point. And here's the actual lay of the land for this conversation specifically. I want to talk to you a little bit about future vision. We're crossing over into the new uh, not the new world, but we're crossing over into the new year. 2023 is already upon us. We're halfway through it already. I did a class called Starting Point here at our church, Northwest Church in Federal Way, and we had about 140 people attend. Many wanted the material. They wanted to um, ask a number of questions. It was really a great class, and it was the first time I've ever presented the material, although this process that I'm going to talk to you about today and that I delivered to that class a few weeks ago is actually something I've been doing over a decade. And I figured, you know what? Discipleship is all about inviting people in to do with you what you've already been doing. And by no means am I a guru or do I know everything there is to know about the things I want to present to you today, but I certainly have been doing it, so that gives me a voice. And the other part of this is I want to encourage you towards some practices and routines that I think will actually help you not just because it's a new year, but with a new year, we're starting a chapter, we're opening, uh, we're opening a new year up, and we're also leaving some things behind. And I think that's actually just a healthy thing. I'm not against New Year's resolutions. Um, I'm just against the idea that it takes New Year's resolutions for us to change. I think we can change anytime. And so I want to talk to you a little bit today using the starting point material about future vision. I want to talk to you and sell you really hard on the issue of evaluation. How do you evaluate your life? Why do you evaluate your life? I do this yearly. And then also I want to talk a little bit about goals and maybe if I have some time, an action plan for putting your goals into action so that they work for you. All of this I want to do with simplicity, and I want you to think that way. Everybody say it with me, simplicity. That's the point here today, and practicality. Those are the two things that I hope to bring to you um, as I just simply go through this material. And, and again, just to set this up, I do this every year. Whenever I move towards a new year, I spend the entire month of January in evaluation. And I look at my previous year, um, habits, routines, patterns, and then I look forward based on where I've been in order to set some new goals and freshly engage my relationship with God, my family, and all of the other categories we're going to talk about today. So anyways, go ahead and take a seat, get comfortable, uh, whether you're listening or you're watching, because that's what we're going to jump into. The first topic at hand 
is future vision. I don't know what you do when it comes to looking at a new year or looking at into a new opportunity or even thinking about change. How do we go about having vision? How do we have future vision for our life and then set up a path that moves forward? Just for me personally, I've been in a lot of conversations about mission, vision, mission statements, all that stuff. In fact, I've even created lots of them over the years. I tend to get lost in the weeds of how all that works. I'm really big on values. I think values are important. Everybody should have life values, statements that you can say, things that are true. I have some of them. I might share them with you today. Maybe that's another conversation, actually. But when it comes to like mission statements and the mission of your life and how to sum, summarize everything that you are and do and you're focused on kind of simply, I, I don't know. I mean, I think all that can be very important and there are people that are much better at doing that than I am. But something that is important is having vision, like having some sense of future vision. What is God saying to you? What do you want to do with your with your life? And I, be, I tend to think about um, not aspiring to greatness, like in and of myself, like I want to be someone that is seen as great in the eyes of people. That's not my focus. I simply want to obey the, the words of Jesus. I want to follow the call of God on my life. And calling is not your vocation. Your vocation can be a vehicle for your calling, but that isn't necessarily what your calling is. There is something specific that the Lord will burden your heart with. He'll give you a passion for, a desire. And it begins to burn over the years. And, and maybe you feel a sense of regret because you haven't touched your calling or you haven't done anything with it. So, this is actually really important when you think about future vision. You're taking into view that God wants you and I to do something with our life that glorifies Him. I think about Matthew 6, 33, this, not to teach this passage, but just to remind you. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And the things He's talking about is what we chase and pursue and pay for in life, like our, our clothing, our food, our shelter, all the stuff that we seek. And we obviously you know, American culture, we want that to be bigger, better, more expensive. But Jesus is saying, if you put me and my kingdom and my righteousness first, the things that everyone else is seeking for, the bigger, better, whatever, even the provisions of life, I'm going to take care of that for you. So really, what is the Lord calling us to do? Specifically, we know generally the, the Word of God tells us that we're to reach people with the gospel. We're called to make disciples. All of that's true. But each of us have a different set of gifts, skills, anointing. Um, we come from a different background. We have a different emphasis, a different focus, a different expertise, as, as it were. I just think it's important for us to cultivate future vision uh, that's personal, that, that comes from this sense in which the Lord has given us. I, I was actually thinking about an illustration, uh, not that you need one, but if you do, I was standing on a beach that was right where the ocean would be here out in Washington. I'm on the beach and I just gotten glasses, I gotten some new glasses, and I can see so far, like as far as my eyes could see, it just seemed like way out there with my new glasses, I could see this ship. It was a large ship. I couldn't see its detail, but it was out there for sure. When I took my glasses off, like if you're on the video, you can see that I just did. When I took my glasses off, I could only see what was, what was in front of me. I, that was it. I, I could see the sand that's, that's right, below my, right below my feet. I could see some rocks to the right and left. I couldn't see anything else. I, without glasses, I didn't have the sight or the vision 
to see much further than where I was. And that's really what vision is. If you think about it, vision gives you the ability to look far beyond where you are. And I would tell you, sometimes we have to learn how to dream. Uh, what do you want to do with your life? Where do you want to go? What is the burden of your heart? What did you want to do when you were young? Um, was that just a pipe dream or was there something to that? Did God speak to you when you were young? I praise God that he speaks to you know, my kids and, and young people today, especially those that follow him and know him. But I, but I think that we need to have some guiding principles if we're going to have any sense of future vision. So I, I want to walk through some statements that I think are, are helpful. Actually, these are questions, and these are questions that I want you to consider as you really think about this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Uh, the first question is, what would you really like to do with the rest of your life? Now, this is vocation, calling, career, all of the above, right? Um, so often people say, I'm not doing what I should be right now, or I can't wait until I retire, which implies that they're going to get around to the thing they would like to do when that happens. So as we consider future vision for our life, um, we cannot allow our answer to be defined by money or time, because the question has to be, what would you do with the rest of your life if it wasn't about money? or it wasn't about time or constraints? How would you dream and how would you have vision? Because sometimes we have to allow ourselves to look far beyond where we are in order to um, even hear the voice of God. What if we're talking to God and we're praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? But we don't have those vision glasses on. We're, we're, we're just looking at where we are. And so the door has to be right in front of us. It has to constitute our next step, not necessarily our next 10 years. And so I think it's actually very healthy um, to look beyond the issues of life that are preventing us from dreaming big. And I don't mean visions of grandeur to think well of ourselves, but there could be something that God has for us to do, but we can't get past the constraints constraints of the here and now. So vision helps us with that. Number two, here's another question. What do you really care about more than anything else? Like, what is your passion? What is your focus? What do you talk about? What rises to the top? N knowing these kinds of things helps us to identify priorities, calling, and future steps, because often we'll talk about those things with other people, but maybe we're not really that aware of them ourselves. So these are the questions you need to ask. Number three, what are three things around your life that you want to see better over the next several years? Now, I think of my wife when this question comes up. She was a single teenage mom, and I could see her helping run ministries and organizations that cater towards helping single moms, whether they're you know, teenage or whatever, but single mom, single parents, she has a heart for that. That That is her, in her history, that is in her background, and uh, it's something that she's actually working toward right now. She wants to see something improve. Maybe that could also be um, helping young people have a healthier view of their sexuality so they don't end up in those places where it re it's required for them to grow and, and or really just have a lot of help because now they have an unplanned pregnancy. So do you want to see your city safe and secure? Uh, some people get involved in politics 
or nonprofits? Do you want to see better theology in young, the younger generation? People are talking about how we're losing theology. Um, so you need to serve the kids and youth. You need to get involved with young people and help them understand God's Word better. Some grandparents want their grandkids to really know Jesus. Well, you have to spend time with them. Like, what are the things that you want to see better in the next several years? Because we have a timestamp on our life on earth. Question number four, what are three things that you would like to accomplish with your, with your life? Just think about it. Ask the question. What, what, I mean, you could have five or 10, but I'm just saying three. If you can do three, that's great. Do you want to start a business? You want to pass that on to your kids? That's something that was in my heart. And maybe in the future, I'll actually do that. Who knows? Do you want to write a book? Do you want to develop a product? Do you want to develop a tradition that you can pass on to your families? In my family growing up, we didn't have a lot of traditions. And then I married my wife, and she had several that she wanted to pass on to our kids. And so those things become very important. I know there's a few anti-traditionalists out here, but I'm talking about traditions that are robust, that have meaning, that bring heritage, those kinds of things. What are three things that you would like to accomplish with your, with your life when it's all over, you'd feel really good about and not a sense of regret? And then the last question about future vision is, what has God specifically told you to do in the past? Now, listen to this. Have you accomplished this? Have you accomplished it? I think you need to keep in front of you not just dreaming big, but also the words of the Lord. God will drop things into our heart. He'll speak to us. We'll write it down. We'll pray over it in one season, and we'll forget it in the next. Put that back in front of you. Put that on paper. Write that down. So vital, so important. This is future vision. Now, I start out in my January when I basically go on a retreat. During that retreat, I spend an entire day doing, uh, th doing three things. The first is what we just went over. I, I think about future vision. I don't want any constraints, time, money, past, future, whatever. I just want to dream. Lord, help me to do that. Help me to jump out of myself for a second and, and really think about the future. Number two is what we're going to go over right now. During the first day of my retreat, I walk through what I call personal evaluation. Then I go to goals based on my evaluation. I want to know where I'm at so I can talk about or think through and plan where I'm going. I don't want to just jump into where I'm going. I want to know where I'm at first. I spend pretty much the rest of January taking a deep dive. I do 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're in that right now. I'm really hungry right now for food, amen, but hungrier for the Lord. Come on, somebody. 21 days of prayer and fasting. I spend a lot of January evaluating. I just don't want to jump into the new year or new anything without really having a good look about where I'm at. And that full day of mostly evaluation helps me to look in the mirror long and hard and consider. And then it takes really a lot more time to extrapolate what I have written down. The document tends to be five, seven, maybe eight pages long. I take all these notes and I go through a lot of questions. Before that, I go through some of the uh, categories of evaluation of how you evaluate your life and maybe walk you through that a little bit. I just want to talk to you um, a little bit about what evaluation is and why we should um, evaluate our life. Now, again, 10 years ago, maybe it's 12 years ago now, I was on a retreat with a friend 
And he actually did this. He evaluated his life. And I asked him, what are you doing? And he said, well, I, I like to look back so I, I can look forward. And I thought, well, that's really that's really awesome. I was convinced sort of right away. And I began to develop an evaluation process that I didn't really learn from anybody else. But I have taken pieces into this from all sources, all kinds of sources. There are really good ones out there, by the way, which I can recommend to you if... Um, if you want them to help you as a guide. But I realize that we do evaluations in life all the time. I mean, everything in life tends to have some type of evaluative a process because we want to improve. And that really is the goal, isn't it? I want to get better. I want to be able to do more. I want to go beyond my whatever's locking me down and um, giving me tunnel vision, not allowing me to maybe move forward or or actually achieve more in my life. I mean, our cars have inspections, our jobs have reviews, our businesses have audits. Even our kids, we have parent-teacher conferences to see how they're doing. Um, we do ministry debriefs around here at our church to see if we like what we did and how we want it to, to go better next time. I'm just saying that like assessment and evaluation should be part of the culture of your life. If it's not, there's probably a reason for that. And let me just be honest with you, okay? I can be defensive sometimes. Let's let's just go there. And it usually has to do not so much with my performance, but my person. And that's why we're defensive, because we make those one and the same. Who you are is not necessarily the same as what you do. The what we do can get better. I want to be better at everything that I do. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better pastor, a better teacher, communicator. Come on, podcaster. You're listening to me right now. I don't want this to be bad. <laughs> and if there's something that I can do better, I want it to improve. I think the only reason I get defensive is because I make my performance and my person the same thing, and they're not the same thing. You have to distinguish one from the other. My performance or what I do in life must get better. Who I am is fixed in God, and I need to be okay with myself. I would say the same for each and every one of us. Have a culture of assessment and evaluation. Embrace that. Love that. Feedback is fantastic. That's a cultural value that you can put into your life. If you're a pastor, use that with your team. If you're a father mother, use that at your dinner table apply it to yourself and not just the people under you. Amen. Feedback is fantastic. Say it in whatever way um, that you want. But did you know the scriptures also give us insight into evaluation as well? You could call it assessment. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul says, examine yourself, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Have an examination. Before receiving communion in 1 Corinthians 11, he tells the Corinthians that they should examine themselves while they're receiving communion to consider what they're doing and how they're doing it. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God causes us to be able to discern what's in our heart or to examine our hearts. The Word actually cuts through not only what we're doing, but what we're believing. And we can examine that. The Word is this outside source that is meant to get inside of us. And when it does, it cuts through our motives and our opinions and our ideas, and it roots the truth into our hearts. It helps us to grow into what God intends. Psalm 139, verse 23. I'm not trying to throw every uh, scripture at you today, but the psalmist writes, this is David, search me, try me, see if there is anything wicked in me. Why? Because I don't want it there. If there's something there that doesn't belong, God help me to root it out and establish something 
better. Friends, I want to sell you on evaluation, all right? In this starting point process, you want to look at future vision, evaluation, and goal setting. Here's the deal. Evaluation to me is the most important part because if you set your goals without knowing where you are or properly evaluating yourself, you're trying to build on what you don't know or you're trying to start where you think you are, and that's not healthy. You have to start where you actually actually are. So let me convince you of why you should evaluate your life. The word evaluate often means this, to determine the value of something. It is the process that we use to appraise a thing in order to determine its quality or its worth. Now, our life to God is worth the precious blood of Jesus. I want you to think about that. My life is worth the death the suffering and the resurrection of Christ. He came so that I might have life. That means he places a value on me and a value on you, which is beyond measure. It's beyond belief. It's beyond comprehension, truly. So scripture tells us that we're valuable, but are we evaluating what we're doing with our time, talent, and treasure in light of how valuable our life is? See, your life is so valuable, often we don't stop and ask the questions that we need to, to say, am I living the right way? Am I using my time properly? Am I spending my resources wisely? Is this accomplishing why I'm on the earth? And this is the thing, is this entire world outside of God's care and governance It's geared towards selling us on another version of life. And if we don't stop and look at what we're doing and why, maybe we're just living that default, not even realizing it. And so I get really passionate about this because I've had a lot of people in my past, and I bet you've had this as well, tell me that you can't do something. My sixth grade teacher told me that I would never amount to anything. His his name well, I'm, I shouldn't say his name. Anyways, he, felt, he flat out told me that. And maybe you've felt like that, or maybe you've had people tell me that, what you can't do. Well, here's the reality. What are you called to do? And are you doing it? Are you going after it? The only way you can really answer that sometimes is evaluation. Pastor Chris, Chris Hodges, somebody I, I really respect and admire, he says, experience isn't the best teacher. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. In other words, A lot of us have experience with things, but if we don't evaluate our experience, it doesn't improve. It's it's funny how somebody who's an expert in a field has all this experience, but another person who doesn't have as much experience, if they're good at evaluating themselves and improving as a result of it, they could actually be a much more valuable voice to us. And that's the reality. So I've been thinking about evaluated experience in order to improve. So here's what we're talking about. Why would we evaluate our previous year, and the doings of of our life. Number one, personal evaluation will remind you about your purpose. So here's the deal. We start out each year, and then something unforeseen happens, and it shifts our focus onto other things. I bet you you've had that happen. You could probably smile and shake your head right now. And what's interesting about this scenario is that we don't always come back to where we were when we get from where we get derailed. I'll give you an example. Last year, I was writing a book called Spiritually Gifted. Hopefully that's going to come out soon. By the way, you can pick up Hearing God and Prophesy at Amazon for $5.49. Can you believe that? That's where Amazon has it. I just checked today. You're good to go. Come on, go to Amazon, pick it up. But here's the funny thing. I'm writing a book called Spiritually Gifted. It completes the trilogy of the books that I've written so that I can move on to other things that I'm passionate about and I want to get focused on, including a master's degree. 
But here's here's something interesting. Um, I just decided I wanted my yard to look different, and I'm convinced that this was something we needed to do. But instead of planning it out, thinking it through, and executing that plan that was a little bit more appropriate to my lifestyle, I just went out there and started working on it. And the next thing you know, my days off are getting absorbed into this whole landscaping project, which I did finish the front and I'm still working on the back, which is going to take me this year to do. I did not plan that. Now that I'm looking back and I'm evaluating something, I'm realizing that I have a calling to write books. I'm supposed to be about that. I derailed that calling or that accomplishing of of this specific, specific book that I'm working on for a landscaping project I didn't even need to do. All right, now you should laugh at me, but while you're laughing, think about your own life. When we evaluate our previous year and months, what we realize is there are things that came, decisions that we made that we maybe didn't even need to make or life circumstances that we didn't foresee and they derailed us. So when you evaluate, it reminds you of what your purpose actually is. Now I'm getting back to the book. I know you want to know if I am. I am. Number two, personal evaluation will reveal your habits, your patterns, and your weaknesses. Maybe you're like me where you stopped watching television altogether, and then all of a sudden there was some, you went through some season and you started turning on Netflix again, and you didn't just watch one episode, but you watched two or three, and before you know it, you're watching more TV than you ever did. Or it could be something else. Maybe you picked up some habits related to coffee or caffeine and you weren't drinking much coffee and now you're drinking two or three cups a day. You know, if you don't actually look at that, you can believe whatever you want in your head. I don't drink that much. It's really easy to say, I don't drink that much coffee. Um, I don't have a problem with that. I don't watch a lot of television. When you evaluate, you look at what you really do but it's also the backdrop for what you're supposed to do. See, that's the key in all of this, okay? What rhythms, what patterns, what weaknesses, what things are going on in your life? What about your your physical body, working out, hygiene, marriage, parenting, money? How do you spend your money? Do you do the date nights? You could say, oh, me and my wife, me and my spouse are close. Do they think that? (laughs) Does your time with them show that? Um. What about your phone? Is your screen time two hours now? Do you press that button where you put a screen time restrictions, but now you press that button every time it goes off to give me more time and you basically just bypass all of the restraints that you set on your media? See, you have to look at this. This is very important. Number three, personal evaluation will refocus you on what really matters. Now, of course, I'm alluding to this through everything that I've been saying already, but there are things that matter in our life and there are things that matter more. And so in order to prioritize, you have to look at how you've been doing so far and you need to play Tetris with the issues of your life and shift them into the proper order. So this helps. Number four, personal evaluation will provide an opportunity for change and growth. When the dust settles, in our deeper dive, this is actually what we're after in this process. We want to change and we want to grow. We want to do better. We want to save time. We want to refine our life. We want to take new steps. We want to do what matters. We want to honor God. So this is why I'm selling you hard on evaluation. This is why you would do it. Now, that's great, Ben. 
I, I think I believe what you're saying. I want to have some future vision. I want to evaluate my life. How do I evaluate my life? So what do we do? Uh, what do we actually evaluate? I should say, what are those things? Now, I started probably evaluating three categories in my life. I moved to about five and then seven. And then I got a few more from other sources over the last three years. So I have currently 10 categories that I evaluate. Um, if you ever listen to the Grow Leader podcast, he actually, um, I've used some of their language in these just to help people in a podcast scenario or in my class. I used to call them something different, but um, they use the word dashboard. So that's kind of a cool word. But uh, these are categories that you would evaluate about your life. And the first one is spiritual. Second is marriage. Third is family. Fourth is work. Fifth is ministry. Sixth is finances. Seventh is physical health. Eight is mental, emotional health. You could separate those if you wanted to. Nine is friendships. Ten is media. Now, let me just run through these very, very quickly. The first is spiritual. Now, let me ask you, just, these are some of the questions that I use to evaluate. Again, you want to expand these and have them be your own, what matters to you. Are you reading your or studying your Bible? Are you doing that every day? Are you journaling your observations of the Bible? Are you journaling your prayers? Are you praying? Are you fasting? How long are you praying for? How often are you fasting? Why are you not fasting? Why are you fasting? Did you fast? Did you stop fasting? Did you stop praying more? Did you start praying less? You start asking the question, why? What happened? Are you drawn towards worshiping the Lord? Do you want to worship Him? This is a question of desire. Do you regularly practice the Sabbath? Do you do that in a healthy way? Do you enjoy God's presence? Is this something you are drawn towards? You love the Lord, not just theoretically, but practically. Like, Lord, I really want to be with you, and you long for Him. See, asking all of these types of questions is I type it out on my computer on a Word document, and it, and it becomes like a whole page, right, just for this. And I'm honest about it. I read the Bible if I, you know, on an average, well, an average week, it's seven times, uh, it's, I, I do it every day. But there are times where like, hey, whenever it's, I slipped on reading my Bible, um, it was because of this, right? So you start to notice your patterns as to why. And that actually helps you for goal setting. It, it also helps you to protect yourself from and, and do the things that matter. And the other thing is about fasting, right? Did you fast because you got caught up uh, you know, reacting to something, and then that thing wasn't, uh, you weren't feeling it as much. Maybe it was a loved one that you were praying and fasting for. But do you fast for God's presence and not just for God to give breakthrough? I mean, you just got to ask all these questions to see where you're at. That's the whole goal. Where are you at spiritually? Number two, your marriage. Do you have consistent date nights? How is your communication with your spouse? What is your attitude toward your spouse? Is your friendship with them growing? Are you praying together? Are you pursuing them in a way that blesses them and not just benefits you? Are you developing your marriage for the future and what does that look like? Number three, family. Do you pray for your family by name? Do you spend consistent time with them, each of your children? How are they developing or what is happening with them? I like to put my kids' names on my Word document and I just write out how they're developing and some of the things, as, especially as they were growing up, one of the blessings that I can look back on my documents and see during that year things that were a blessing to me, things that were a blessing to other people. 
attributes, qualities about them that I began to notice. I also started to write prophetic words. The Lord would speak to me for my kids, and He even gave me dates. And I didn't even remember this until I started looking back, which is what I do every year. I start with the previous year's evaluation, and then I do—that uh, was, you know, a year over a year ago, and then I evaluate um, where I'm at now. But God would give me prophetic words, and He would give me dates. And I remember, like, literally sitting there— with a date that was forthcoming over one of my kids and how God was giving me something more specific that I could enter into prayer over. And it's really powerful when you think about it. I didn't even know that was happening, but when you have time with God like this and you're really looking at things and you're doing it prayerfully, you'll find that the Lord will speak into that even if you're not sure that it's Him. Another question you can ask about family is um, not only what is special about them, but what do you see coming in their life? concerns or maybe even blessings or opportunities. Number four is work. How are things at work generally going? Just sort of, sort of a general question. Are you doing what you want to do? Are you developing as an employee or employer? Are there any habits that hinder giving your best job? Are you overworking in any way and you need to cut back? Um, are you underworking and you need to ramp up? Are there changes coming? Are you preparing for those well? Are you accomplishing your projects? Um, you know, you could actually talk about your sleep. Are you getting up early in the morning? Um, are you staying too late? How is this affecting your life? Things like that about work. Number five is ministry. Where are you serving? You know, in church and also outside of church, where are you serving? You should be able to answer that question. How is your ministry going? How is it developing? Are you helping build something to make it better? We're not all in charge of ministry. Some of us are serving another person's actual calling of God in ministry, and that's our calling, is to be a support to it. So you can answer, answer that way. Has God called you to do something that you aren't doing? Do you have a longing for something different? What is it? Who are you discipling right now? Who is in your view? Who would you like to disciple? Who has God brought to you? Are you, are you praying about that? Who are you inviting into your home or life? Who has a seat at your table? Who are you trying to bless and be around, whether that's just presence or mentoring or whatever? Have you been wasteful with any, or sorry, who is sharpening you as a disciple of Jesus? Who's speaking into your life? That We need to answer that question. Number six, have you faithfully tied to God? Are you generous as you're able? Are you increasing or decreasing your debt? Are you saving for necessary purchases? Are you saving toward retirement? Are you investing what you have well? Have you been wasteful with any of your money? I could keep going, but number seven is physical health. What's your health like overall? What happened in 2022 that you need to be aware of? I like to write things down uh, that happened. And it's very, it's very important for me so that I kind of keep a log of my health in an ongoing way. How are you eating? What's your nutrition like? Has it gotten worse? Has it gotten better? What's your hygiene like? You're going to the dentist. You're taking care of uh, getting, I have some refillings that need to happen. I know this is kind of maybe a little bit too TMI, but you know, I need to go to the dentist to get those done. Uh, putting that in front of me. Are you exercising regularly? And what recreation fuels you? And are you doing any of that? Are you making time for the things that would help you with your health? And number eight, mental emotional health. This is really important and has increasingly become important to me. Are your thoughts healthy? Do you have unhealthy thoughts that are consistently plaguing you and they come, they're coming back and you feel like you can't control them? Do you have any impure thoughts? What are they and how often do they come? Do you have any unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart? Is this affecting you in other areas? Have you experienced anxiety over any decisions or decisions with relationships? 
Have you noticed anything grow or get better with your mind, your emotions, your feelings, and uh, the way that you're interpreting or filtering life as it comes to you? Number nine, we're almost done. Friendships. Who are your close friends? How often do you see or talk to them? Are these relationships deepening or distancing? Are you accountable with them? Have you invited them to speak into sensitive areas of your life? Has anything happened to your friendships? Uh, I just want to tell you about friendships. Um, I actually asked this question as a pastor. The majority of people do not cultivate close friendships. They say they have close friends, but they're usually referring to what they used to have with someone. And it's kind of amazing that your health, your mental, your emotional, and your spiritual health sometimes has a connection to your friendships because, and I mean a godly friendship, because your spouse cannot be everything for you, number one. And then number two is that you need to be around or at least have the voice of another in your life and you be a voice of another in someone else's life that is constantly sharpening who you are and what you're doing. I have found this to be a massive thing, and usually there is, a, uh, there is something connected when we don't have these close friendships. And I would tell you this also with marriage relationships. Your, your spouse might be your best friend, but there comes a time where you need someone outside of your marriage. And it's, it's not just a mentor or a counselor, but actually having people that are moving down the same road as you and sharpening you as you're sharpening them. And last but not least, uh, I actually just added this over the last uh, period of time of evaluation, is media. How much media do you consume per day or week? Is your screen time on your phone, tablet healthy? Have you been distracted by media from things that matter? I was convinced by others who do this type of stuff that this is actually a very important category, um, obviously, because it takes us away from the things that we need to be about. Now, all of those things are the, the categories of life that you want to evaluate. This is going to take you about a day. All right, so you need to think five hours with breaks or eight hours with breaks. It might take you longer, but this is well worth your time. Those are the categories. Let me also share some very important tips on how you evaluate your life. The first I have to recommend is choose a very quiet environment. Where you do this can make a difference. I like to do this in a different environment from the norm, like my office or my home, because it helps me to settle into what I'm doing without all of the things swirling around me that are typical for my daily life. Number two is limit your interruptions. It would be a good idea to go without your digital stuff unless it's necessary. Don't check your emails, don't do work, turn off, unplug, and dive deep. That's what we need to do. Number three is take your time. Like I said, four or five hours minimum. It should be a day if you can go on a retreat. That's what I recommend. In fact, I'm going to start doing a retreat at the beginning of the year called Starting Point every year, something I want to do for those that are crazy enough to go down this road with me. It'd be like a Friday night and a Saturday. Number four, write out the details. A few times I didn't write much detail and it didn't help me when I went back to look at what I'd written. I couldn't remember what I was talking about. So the more detail you write out, the better it is, especially because you're going to look back and read this. And you need to think about yourself reading it, not other people, not folks you don't want uh, seeing it. It should be uncomfortable. I, 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 would, I would always tell people this, if someone else read this, it should make you uncomfortable because that's how detailed and clear that you are. Number five, be honest with yourself. Go deep, be honest, 
Don't look away from the mirror. We have a tendency to be too generous with ourselves, and it's not helpful when we're trying to improve. So there's that. And number six is use a rating system. Now, this is just a very simple thing. When I look at my categories, I like to rate them in three ways. This is just completely me. I made this up. This is what I do. You don't have to do it. But I have three ratings. Number one is G, and that's good. All right? That means just keep doing what you're doing. Number two is NI, which is obvious, needs improvement. So I don't just keep doing what I'm doing. I need to do what I'm doing better. Number three is NC, needs change. I'm not trying to do better. I need to do different. Okay, so one is keep doing what you're doing. Two is do what you're doing better, right? You can refine it. And NC is do different. You're not going to keep trying to do something and it get better. Some things you just know you need to figure out a different way of doing that. I like to rate my categories because it helps me with my goals. And lastly, number seven is evaluate yearly and review quarterly. I can only do this once a year. Some people do it more often. I know that there are other methods that you can use for this. I totally congratulate that. I'm just not able to do that. So I'm only recommending, especially if you're starting to do this once a year, but do re review this. Don't write this large document, evaluate your life, set goals, and then never review it except for once a year. That would not be very helpful. I like to review this at least quarterly, more often if, if possible. So that's where I'm at with that. Now, I'm gonna close by talking simply about your goals, all right? So future vision, evaluation, and now you're looking at goals because you can think about where you're going as a result of standing on this real working knowledge of what your life looks like. There's a lot of scriptures I could talk to you about today, but I don't wanna teach those things. I simply just wanna to stick to the content and help you take a step in this regard. Uh, setting goals will help you uh, for the long term. And that's what this is about. It will give you long-term vision with short-term motivation. Your goals need to be clear. They need to be concise and doable. Now, what I would do is I would take all of the categories of evaluation and then put them into another document or just below. And then you need to have at least three you could probably have up to seven goals. I probably don't have more than that per category. So for example, I'm gonna give you my very specific, concise goals for, for my spiritual life. And I don't mean my spiritual life is different from my actual life, but I just mean I'm looking at the, the spirit, spiritual health. Uh, number one is read the Bible daily. This is this is my G as I've done this, and I use the Northwest Church Bible reading plan. So it's, there's no randomness to this. Like read the Bible daily. Okay, what and where and how? So read the Bible daily, Northwest Church Bible reading plan. That's a G. I, I've been doing that. I'm going to keep doing that. Number two is journal daily, passage, prayer, and prophetic. So I journal, but what do I journal? I journal a passage, some scripture that sticks out of my Bible reading plan. I journal a prayer, something that's on my heart that God's calling me to pray, and I journal prophetic. He's speaking to me about my life or something that I'm praying about. Those are the three things that I journal. Daily prayer. I'm always seeking 30 minutes of undistracted uh, time with God in prayer. Not word, not anything else, just 30 minutes of undistracted, devoted time in prayer. That is my goal. Number four is uh, fast weekly, every Wednesday with my wife. That's my goal is to fast Wednesday. Um, if I need to, I'll eat dinner, but that's it. 
Other than that, I might have a cup of coffee or water, and I know exactly what I'm doing every Wednesday. And then finally, Sabbath weekly, my Sabbath is on Monday, and I have a whole criteria built around what a Sabbath looks like. So these are very important. When you have a goal, you need to understand your criteria for uh, these type of general goals that seem very, very simple. Now, my physical health, I evaluated where I was, what I did, and what that looked like, and I was like, number one is lose 13 pounds. I have a target weight. Um, I mean, my target is health, but I, I think there's a, a health in also knowing what your goals are. Work out four times per week I, for an hour and a half. Uh, track food and fitness daily through my apps. I know what those are, so I have my Apple Watch and I have my FitnessPal app. I track everything, go to bed at 10.30, wake up at 6 a.m. every morning. These are my goals. I could go on. My point is this. Um, when it gets to like ministry or or work, I have other goals, right? Those are a little bit more, they're less of a five words and sometimes they're two sentences because it takes a little bit more. For example, I'm finishing a book. It's called Spiritually Gifted. So I have a deadline that I'm going to finish the book and I would like that to be fully published and available by another date. So these are things that I set out that I want to look back and be able to tell whether or not I did do those things or if I did them partially, right? NI needs improvement. Uh, NC, I set out to do something and I just was a little bit misdirected in my goal and I need to change. I need to do something different, right? Because things change, your life changes. This is what I do. I set goals into place. The last part, of course, is an action plan. So how do you and I go about putting these goals uh, into an op sort of operational in our in our life? So like for my spiritual plan, I take my goals and I sit down with my schedule and I schedule my time with God. I put that into my phone. I set It's like setting an appointment with God. This works for me. Choose a day to Sabbath. Like I said, it's on Monday. So my action plan is putting these things into place. One of the tips that I would say for you and when you're writing your action plan, like here's your goals. How am I going to go about this? What do I need to do to get this into place? How do I build a structure and a framework so that I'm successful? There's a lot of tips for this. One of the tips that I would say is try to get all of this accomplished, scheduled and in place by January. All right, so no matter what method you choose to accomplish your goals, if you can schedule it, if you can structure it, if you can put deadlines to it, all of that, do all of that, write it out and put it into place, put it in your schedule, put it in your phone, make sure that you talk to your spouse if you need to in order to accommodate that path, that path of life. For me, if I'm going to write a book, I have to talk to my wife about that because it might affect my days off. So I'm not just going to go do it. I have to talk to her about, about what that's going to cost. So these are things that help you with your action plan. Your action plan can't just be something you drum up in your head. You have to actually build some framework around this so you can be successful. And those are the things that help me actually accomplish. And then here's the deal. Repeat it. <laughs> do it every year. Review it at least every quarter and keep doing it. You say, Ben, um, this is a lot. It is a lot, but your life matters. That's why this is a lot. If, if you're going to have something that matters to you um, and you're going to accomplish that, you're going to have to put a process in place whereby you and I can become the people that we feel God has called us to be, do the things God has called us to do. These, these are methods for that. Now, there are a lot of other ways that you can go about this. If you're interested, 
I don't have an audio or video to the class. And obviously doing this on a podcast is not always as helpful, uh, depending on your watching or listening, because you don't have the points, the principles, and the outline. But I'll tell you this, if you email me, and here's the email address I'm going to send you to, ben at igniteglobalministries.org. So that's just ben at igniteglobalministries.org. It's all spelled out. If you email me, I will send you the outline, and you can take that, and you can literally just use it. It's a Word document, and you can put all of your own stuff into it just as it lays out. That's what we did for our church. Again, we had 140 people. That document went out to them. We'll send it to you if you're interested. But no matter what you do or how you do it, let's have this year be a focus of what God has called us to do and not relenting, not getting distracted, not moving to some other thing because life happens. I just want to encourage you to take a hold of your discipleship, take a hold of your future, make decisions, set goals, put a plan in place. If you do that, even if you don't accomplish everything, I guarantee you're going to be a little bit farther than you were. I'm tired of people asking me um, to pray for them to have some type of anointing to write or something. I've had people do that. Like, would you you write books and curriculum and you're good at that or whatever? Would you pray for me to do? No, I won't. But what I will do is help you <laughs> discipline your life so that whatever's in your heart, you can accomplish. That's what it took. It wasn't just a calling. It wasn't just a gifting. It's not just an anointing. It's, it's a plan. You have to put this into place. And that's what, it was discipline and follow through that helped me to do some of the things that I didn't feel qualified to do, but I did them anyways. And I will tell you, it will help everybody that's listening to me. So God bless you. Thank you for joining me uh, this month on Conversations with Ben Dixon. Gonna come at you with some more really helpful uh, talks in the future. It might be me solo, but that's okay. Just me and you, you and me, we're doing this together. Remember, share this with your friends. And uh, if you want that outline, go ahead and email me. God bless you guys. Bye.